John, could you hand me a Bible? And actually, could you pass them out? Everybody grab the Bible, please. It doesn't matter what translation you have. They can be phone Bibles, it doesn't matter. But while we're waiting, uh, I just want to say thank you to my the young adults who did child care. You were awesome. Yes. Yes. They, they spent the morning sticking their faces out of a cardboard box and having balloons thrown at them. Balloons. They were great. They've done a great job. I'm really thankful. And um, for parents, uh, all of my child care workers have to leave promptly at 2.30. So we're going to be done promptly at 2.30. And I'm out of here too. <laughs> so you know I'm going to be on time. Okay. So, Christ the Reconciler. I have become convinced that our vision has been way too small. We started by <laughs> way, way too small. We started with um, Protestant Catholic reconciliation, and over the years we've become more aware of Messianic Jews and the Orthodox, and we pray for reconciliation, and, and, and we still do, and that's what God has called us to do. Um, but there are a couple of places in the New Testament where the word reconciliation is used. And if you look at it, um, if you look at where Paul uses reconciliation, you realize that those conceptions of reconciliation are really far short of what he believes God has in mind. So Protestant Catholic reconciliation isn't enough. Like man-woman issues are not enough. Even even all men on earth becoming reconciled to God is short of this vision of reconciliation. <laughs> let's that not blow your mind? <laughs> it's bigger than that. <laughs> it's bigger. So let's read. Um, for Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1? Colossians 1. I want everybody to have a Bible. Where are Elena and Christopher? Elena, where's Elena? Elena, Christopher, could, why don't you come sit here so I can see you? Because I like you. And, and I need you to have a Bible because you're good readers. And I'm gonna, in fact, Elena, why don't you stand right here next to me? Can you read this itty bitty print? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, we'll start. We're going to read George style. Do you know what George style is? We're going to go around. We're going to go around the back first. So we're going to start with Elena, and then we'll go to Thomas, and then we'll go to Daniel, Cheryl, Sandy, Hogan, Madeline, Maeve, until I tell you to stop. Okay. Chapter 1, verse 15, where Elena's going to read really loudly. First, only one verse. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace.
peace through the blood of his cross. Okay, Madeline, read that verse again. Number for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or in earth, by making peace through the blood of his cross. We're going to finish this section. Go ahead, Maeve. But now he is reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. I'm going to stop there and go back to verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. All right. Elena, what is he going to reconcile to himself? Can you read the verse again? Yes. And through him to reconcile to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, Through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. What? All, things. all things. Where do they live, Daniel? Where do these things live? In heaven or in earth. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So my vision of reconciliation is a little too small. <laughs> it, was, it was sort of limited to earth. So I want to think about what in the world does that mean? What does the, you know, the world is too small? What is what is what is Paul seeing here? What is God thinking? So here's another question, open to anybody. What is uh, what is the chapter of the Bible that contains our our charism as a community, our purpose in life? John 17, and it starts off. It starts off this way. It starts off with a prayer. I'm sorry, I can't quote it exactly. But it starts off saying, Father, I want, what does he want? I want them to be with me where I to am. Be, uh, to, I want them to be with me where I am, with the glory. And to see my glory. To see my glory, the glory basically I had with you before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The glory I had. Okay, and, and okay. So where is Jesus? He's with the Father. At the right hand of the At Father. At his right hand. Okay. And, and who else is there? Who else? Spirit. Okay. The Holy Spirit. And the Father. And the saints. And what else is going? It's a busy place. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of angels. Okay, there are other things up there. What else is there? The elders. The elders. Thunder, lightning. Thunder, lightning. Yes. There are seraphim. Yes, the seraphim and the church. Okay. Yeah. There are a lot of things in heaven. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to toss this out as an idea because, like I said, I, I, this is just beginning to, I'm just beginning to roll these thoughts around in my head. But there is something in the person of Christ, in the mystery of the cross, in the mystery of salvation, that doesn't have just to do with people. But somehow, it is, 
it has ramifications of unification and reconciliation beyond our earth. I'm not going to tell you exactly what those are because I do not know. <laughs> but I would, I would encourage you to go home and read 1 Peter chapter 1. And read the other things. If Peter says angels have longed to look into these mysteries. There's, some, there's a mystery about the redemption of man that um, angels long to look into. Christ is at the center not only of mankind's story, but also of the angelic story. Here I'm going to get into conjecture. This is conjecture. I don't know. But I, um, last year I talked some about the story of Job. And I, I spoke about the, this curious, the opening. Um, when all the sons of God were gathered in heaven, Satan God says to Satan, have you considered my son, my servant, Job? Jesus tells Peter, Satan has asked to sift you. There's an interplay between the angelic world and the demonic world and the human world that's closed to our eyes. I think, it's, I think it is intentionally closed to our eyes, and we are warned not to... Um, not to try to figure it out mm -hmm. too much. We are not to be superstitious people, right? And we are not to be people who are afraid, but there is a mystery at play. And I think it's, it's wonderful and glorious to think about the fact that like, my little lintel, my little bitty lintel in life has, has um, implications. Yes, John? You said we were warned not to. We were warned not to, to yes. Where? Paul says it somewhere in scripture, so I'll find it later for you if you're interested. Anybody know offhand? Philemon and Titus. Thank you. Read on the Yeah, um, kind of as Sandy might be able to answer this, but, but one of the things that were going on, and, and, and Hogan and Madeline could probably say more too, in, in the early church, there were. Oh, no, Jew, sorry, Jew. There were, there were groups splintering off claiming to have secret knowledge. It's, I know I have secret knowledge. I have secret knowledge about this, this, the um, angels. I know, um, and you know, you can, you can run into this now. People, people claiming to have secret knowledge and, and, uh, about angels and how things work. And, and we, can, we can veer into superstition, which we don't want to do. But it is, this is what I would say strongly, Orthodox Christianity, um, Orthodox Christianity believes in an unseen world. We believe in things visible and invisible. Angels are referenced, I think, 79 times in the New Testament, demons 86 times in the New Testament. I, I overheard Thomas reading a passage where Jesus says, references Satan. If Jesus believes in Satan, then I think we would... <laughs> <laughs> too well to believe in Satan because we're not smarter than Jesus, right? Yes. So that is um, just about all I have to say on the topic. I guess I'm out of time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, because it's funny. I had that in my notes too. Thomas said I had the scripture where 
Paul says, don't you know that you will judge angels? Just in the sense of practicing, uh, discernment comes with practice, really understanding what is of God and what is not of his person. But, mm -hmm. and, and Thomas said you had it, so why did I you do. have it? I, well, I, my, my notes wouldn't print. <laughs> so I don't what were you meaning to say? That, yeah. No, it, it is fascinating that, that Paul assumes that we will be judging angels. This is just, this is just my thoughts. But I think it's worth thinking about. I, I think that the reason that angels long to peer into these mysteries is there's something that they learn about the nature of God by watching the sufferings of Christ and by watching people believe in him without sight. I, I believe that this reveals God in a way that is that is that they, they need to understand part of Part of God's nature cannot be revealed without suffering. Part of God's nature cannot be revealed. Um, part, part of the love he desires cannot be revealed without faith, and faith without sight is not faith. And faith you know, there's, there's something beautiful about the human response in faith, something that is precious to the heart of God, and something that I think blesses the angels when they say people who, when they witness people who cannot see God respond to him in faith. I think there's something beautiful there. I think the angels hold part of our story. The angels were around at the fall. The angels see the rebellion of Satan. They know what went wrong here somehow or another. Um, so that's, that's conjecture. <laughs> that's not theology. But what is theology, what is solid theology is we believe in things visible and invisible. But there is. I'm sorry, say the last one you just said. We believe things. We believe in things visible and invisible. God is a creator of things visible and invisible, and the invisible world is <laughs> the New Testament and the Old bear clear witness to an angelic realm. And Paul says that all things in heaven and earth will be reconciled in Him. And so I'm basically saying that just as. I had, I had not really considered the implication of Christ's death and resurrection for the angelic realm, but it does have it. It has, it has implications for, for a world far bigger than we understand. Can I just read this one scripture in yes. Ephesians, which I think is saying what you're saying? Yes. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms mm -hmm. according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. I only say that, that I've thought about that a lot, about a reconciliation that happens concerning the powers and principalities, which is in the unseen world, not just with us as people. So that's, What's the reference? That's Ephesians chapter 3.